You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. So we're in our last week today of our vision offering series And I want to preach a message on home. Everybody say home. Home. Bible says this in Genesis 28. says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, verse 16, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, think back with me for a second to a time when you've been caught sleeping or snoozing when you shouldn't have been asleep. Back in Bible college, we had a prayer room, and the prayer room was small. It was a couple of meters by a couple of meters, and it had three sofas on it. And at every opportunity, Jake, Sammy, and I, during the breaks, during the end of the day, during lunch, would go to the prayer room. Everybody thought, We really, really loved prayer. We really loved God, which we did. But we went to the prayer room at every opportunity. We'd come out and people would say, wow, you spent all that time in the prayer room. We were like, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Hair flick, hair flick. Can you see my halo on my head? And the reality was on campus, it was freezing cold. Like it was old building, single glazed. You'd sit in class with about three coats on. But the only place that had heating in Bible college was the prayer room. You walked into the prayer room, and let me tell you, the prayer room was like a sauna. So Sammy, Jake, and I would walk into the prayer room with every great intention to pray. We'd lie on a sofa each. We'd start to pray, but in the heat of the prayer room, in the sauna, we would fall asleep. Much to our shame, we would fall asleep in the prayer room. And one time, one of the lecturers comes into the prayer room to pray, and we are all in the prayer room sleeping. Talk about bad day at the office for some Bible college students. Another time in my A-level politics class, our teacher was called Mr. Elliot. And politics is the most enthusiastic of subjects anyway, isn't it, church? We're in our politics class, and he puts on this video. It's about an hour long. It's quite dreary. It's quite boring. The shutters are down. The room is dark. The blinds are closed. And everybody in the politics class falls asleep, including the teacher, Mr. Elliot. We're all asleep in class. It's crazy to think that we're all fell asleep in class. And one time, I took that almost as permission granted to fall asleep in class. If Mr. Elliot can fall asleep in his own class, then surely I can fall asleep in his class too. So he's teaching up the front. He's looking at the board. I'm tired. I put my head down into my elbow. I fall asleep. And I hear this voice say, Mr. Brown, I look up, wake up. The whole class's eyes are on me. And he says, Mr. Brown, how would you like to spend the rest of your nap in after school detention? I said, sir, I would not enjoy that at all. And he says, well, wake up, boy. This is politics class. And I woke myself up and there was awake. There's different kinds of awake, isn't there? There's just awake 
where you, the alarm's just gone off, your hair is everywhere, your eyes are barely open, the light, it burns, there's drill on your pillow coming out of your mouth, you're just awake. There's barely awake where you've kind of come around, you're in the moment, but your eyes are open, but nobody is home, like that kind of awake. There's espresso awake where you've necked some coffee, a Red Bull, some Pro Plus, and suddenly you're full of energy. It doesn't matter what time it is, you're wired, you're awake. There's jet lag awake where your mind says it's one time, but your body says the other. And then there's awake where you're alive, you're fully functional, and it's business as usual. Jacob has this moment where he's been asleep when he should have been awake. He wakes up and becomes fully awake. He was asleep and not fully aware of what was taking place around him. And the danger for us today is that it's possible to be in church, but be asleep and not be fully awake to what God is doing in this place and in our lives. It's possible to be in church, but awake, but nobody's home. Today, church, I want to suggest it's time for all of us to be fully awake to what God is doing in this place. <laughs> Romans 13 says it like this, verses 11 to 14 in the message. It says, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all of your day-to-day -day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. And the problem with sleep is, is that you don't know that you're sleeping until someone wakes you up. And this Own It series is our annual alarm clock to awaken us and awaken into what is really taking place around us. Eternity was one of the weeks, and awakening to what's at stake here. Authority was another week, and awakening to what's really going on here and taking place here. And today, we want an awakening to the house of God. As Jacob describes, how awesome is this place? Because God is here and in this place. Owning home is all about being planted, and where you're planted, you flourish. Here's what the Bible says in Psalms 92, verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will do what? They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Come on, somebody say amen. They will still bear fruit in old age. Hey, I've got a word for you right now. If you've still got breath in your lungs, if you're still alive on the planet, then God has got an assignment, a mission, a commission for you in this place. In their old age, they will stay fresh and green. Psalms 84 says, how lovely is your dwelling place. The message version says, how lovely is this beautiful home Lord Almighty, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The psalmist here is talking about what's on the other side of Jacob's 
revelation. Church was never designed to be a social club, a religious institution, something that you attend, but the church was always meant to be a place where you're planted and you flourish, a place that hosts the presence of God, gathers the people of God for the mission of God. So let's believe today that each and every one of us, God is going to awaken us to this true beauty of a place called home that isn't just a gathering of believers, but is the engine room for breakthrough, for advancement, for growth, and for reaching the world and the lost for Jesus. I'm going to give you three ingredients today that make up home. Revelation, relationships, and responsibility. Revelation, relationships, and responsibility. To help illustrate these three points really quick, I'm going to welcome someone up to the stage who over the last three months has put all three of these things into practice and God has transformed his life. So why don't you welcome to the stage James Pascoe. Hello, everyone. There he is. Grab a seat. This is awesome. Quick snapshot. James, we didn't know you three months ago. You did not. We <laughs> literally did not know James three months ago. And then something happened in your life, and now you're planted in the house. I want to ask you first, mate, tell us a little bit about your revelation, your story of coming to faith and coming to this house. Sure thing. So I guess I'm going to go a little bit back before any of you knew me. This is going back a few years. I guess the best place to start is what I was like before I came here. And there's just one word, really, and that is lost. I was just lost and I didn't even realize it. I was just following my own direction in life. Nothing was check, keeping me in check. And I was just, yeah, lost. I, lost. Yeah, so on paper, a few years ago, I had everything going for me. When I say on paper, I mean what society deems success, happiness. I was in a relationship. I was successful in my career. You know, I was 22 and I was managing a team. That's, sounds good, right? I was doing well in amateur rugby. I was doing pretty well for myself. We were on the up. Up Ellesmere Port Rugby Club, big shout out. <laughs> but something was missing. And I didn't even realize something was missing. I just felt inherently unhappy. I don't know why. So I looked at my life and I thought, it's got to be the missus, hasn't it? <laughs> it's funny. It sounds funny, but actually, it, it's not. So I, I was actually mentally imploding. I was experiencing my first set of panic attacks. I didn't know what depression was until that point, and I didn't speak to anyone about it. Typical bloke, right? It's, it's serious. So, you know, I ended things with my ex-partner, which did not add well to my mental state at the time. And obviously things weren't still going right, so I was like, okay, what, what else is going wrong? Something's not right. Oh yeah, society tells us, follow our dreams, listen to what's coming from the inside. So I thought, I know what I wanted to do. I know what it is I want to do. When, ever since I was a kid, I was in cadets. I always wanted to join the military, so I thought, I know. I'm going to join the Royal Marines. Let's do it. So I sold myself that dream, and I started becoming what I thought it meant to be, a Royal Marine, basically. I was an angry person. I wanted to hurt people. I wanted to be a part of that brotherhood who were so powerful in life. Everybody respected them, right? Royal Marines commander, the creme de la creme. So I sold myself that, I trained up for it, and I went down to Commando Training Center, Limpston, last year, and it was everything I dreamed of. It was amazing. 
in a weird way, I loved getting shouted at. I loved getting thrashed in the mud. <laughs> boys will be boys. You had 60 blokes who would do anything for you, and I would have done anything for them. I can't tell you, this is so wrong, I can't tell you how good it felt to hold a rifle that was loaded and how powerful I felt at that time. I was fully sold on this dream, right? And on the last exercise, on the first phase, I passed my inspection. I wasn't going to get wet. I didn't get wet, which is good. <laughs> um, but it was just weird. Something happened. It just went calm, silent. There was still shouting going on. I knew there was shouting going on. But I say there's this calm, there was calm inside my mind. And just something snapped. I just went, I looked around. And said, I don't belong here. What am I doing? I want to hurt people. Who am I becoming? Literally out of nowhere. So... I left. I left, basically. I, I went into the training team office. It's like, uh, uh, recruit Pasco 336. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to leave. I'm like, hey, what? I want to leave. I'm like, why? I just don't belong here. And I was so nervous walking into that room. I can tell you, there's 10 war veterans in that room. I just felt calm. Back then, I just thought it was just a spur of the moment thing. But looking back now, I know Jesus was with me in that moment, in that room right there. Thank you. That's not all, though. Unfortunately, it does get a little bit more dark than that. Because I, I came home, I went home, and I felt like a total loser. I mean, talk about ego bruise, yeah? Told everyone, this is what I'm doing. Everyone's like, yeah, go for it, mate. You'll be sick at it. I go home. I've got all this destructive energy. I've gone from 100 miles an hour to Civvy Street, nothing going, nothing going on. I'd literally sacrificed my career, my relationship, and... You know, someone in my family had a major illness. You know, she had, my mum had a stroke because of the stress of me going to train for, to go to war. And I just felt like I had nothing, nothing going for me. So came back the panic attacks. So came back the depression. It was awful. I was just in a hole that I could not get out of. And I just really found ways to just punish myself. I hated myself. I can't tell you. It's awful. And as a bloke, I told no one. Nobody knew what I was going through. On the surface, I was just happy, James, you know, he's back, whatever. But yeah, I was not in a good place. And I found ways to hurt myself, and it was not healthy. And it was at some point this summer, again, it was one of those weird, <laughs> serene moments. <laughs> and I was just like, I've got to start living, otherwise I'm going to start, or I'm going to die. I'm going to do something stupid, right? So I was like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? Oh, that Christian lot seem all right, don't they? <laughs> Maybe a five out of ten, at best. Five out of ten. So I was like, yeah, that seems to work for people. I don't know. I'll, I guess I'll go, give it a go, see what happens. So I was Googling, just Googling. Boring, boring, no. I saw Audacious. <coughs> saw all the colour and all the lights and stuff. thought, yeah, all right. <laughs> see how it goes. And I tell you what, I felt so sick on the way, on the drive down. I just, it was a, it was a miracle I made it alive. Uh, my vision was going, my heart was pounding, I was sweating, I felt sick. And I walked in, I still felt sick, I felt worse. <laughs> uh, to be honest. And I remember sitting down there, big shout out to the youth who freaked me out even more. <laughs> it's like, who are these nutjobs? Everyone in the front row giving it all that. Praise pit. I'm in the praise pit now, but... <laughs> I just remember thinking to myself, I'm, I'm off. Next time these lights go... I'm going. <laughs> but anyway, something happened again. God moment. Yeah, God. Lee was talking about the prodigal son coming home. Yeah. And how that God ran to meet, or not God, the father ran to meet his son. Yeah. Yeah. And as Lee was talking, I just, I was just like, 
I just felt this weird warmth just well up inside of me, and it attacked my heart. I just, it just overtook me. And all that hate, all that shame and guilt and feel, feeling of just inadequacy, everything just dissipated. I just felt love, peace, and joy. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And I put my hand up to let Jesus in my life. It's the best decision I ever made. So guys, every week when we go for that salvation moment and your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed because we ask you to, and they should be, looking at you, James Jones, peeking around, is in that moment, you hear of people making decisions and you don't necessarily see the faces. Here is James who represents the people that on Sundays, who without the family of God, the house of God, presence of God, wouldn't be here. That's so true, thank you. I just, I'm just gonna try and articulate how it felt, but it, it's so hard, right? Just my heart, just all the scars scabbed off. I, my spirit literally came alive and lifted, and I just felt love like I'd never felt it before. And I'm so grateful everyone's eyes were closed because I was crying tears of joy. <laughs> Nobody sees me cry, let me tell you. Something's gone wrong. But it was just tears of joy. And I've, ever since then, I've just come alive. I've never been so much more thankful to God and to Jesus for my life. I'm grateful for the life he's given me and to everyone else. And I, I've never loved people like I've loved people before. I've got patience for people. I've got confidence back. I've got a direction in life now. And I've never been happier. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So good. Many of you will resonate with that. You've had that moment, those moments in life where you've met God, God's spoken to you, the Holy Spirit's done something in your life. But how does that relate to you today? Well, I want to suggest that Revelation isn't a lottery. For us, it's a treasure hunt. That's what the Bible says in Matthew, Matthew 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Church, today I want to challenge you to keep going on the journey of seeking revelation from God in your prayer life, in your devotions, in fasting, in your spiritual disciplines. Because so often we can sit and wait for God to speak to us. I want to suggest more often than not, it's God is speaking and we're just not listening to what God is saying. Henry Nyan says it like this, great quote I seen online this week. He says, I am beginning to now see how radically the character of my spiritual journey will change when I no longer think of God as hiding out and making it as difficult as possible for me to find him, but instead as the one who is looking for me while I am doing the hiding. Church, without revelation, worship is Christian karaoke. Without revelation, tithing is a waste of finance. Without revelation, faith is fingers crossed, hoping for the best. But with revelation, worship is proclamation, it's edification, it's declaration, it's life transforming. With revelation, tithing brings overflow and breakthrough to your world. With revelation, faith isn't just fingers crossed, but with faith as small as the mustard seed, the Bible says, you can move mountains. So church, you can own this home by growing in revelation. The second thing, second ingredient to call in church home is relationships. James, I'm going to ask you this. 
Tell us a little bit about finding friendship, family, and church. It was quite easy, actually. Everybody here has just been so welcoming, whether you're just hanging out in the coffee line, which takes forever. Great chance to meet people. And just we have a away. second coffee station now. <laughs> FYI. Newsflash. There we go. Um, or whether it's just high-fiving someone back to your chair. But, you know, there's such a good structure here for, for community. There's so many socials that goes on. So I'm involved in the Young, young Adults uh, group, which is so good. They meet every few weeks. Big shout out. Yeah. Um, small groups as well. Just Everyone's just been so welcoming. There is such a drive for community here. And I've just really felt like I've just fit straight in. Everyone's been so welcoming and accepting. Relationships. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the family of faith. Church, this is a family. The reason that it's not a family for some people who come to church is because you've not allowed yourself to open up your heart to other people. I want to suggest today, it's not a surprise if you don't feel like this is family when you come to church late and you slip off early, and you're not in small groups. It's no wonder nobody knows your name, nobody knows about you. But our heart and vision as church is that every person would be seen, would be known, would be loved. Because this is the family of God, where we shoulder with one another, we carry each other's burdens, we lift each other up, we encourage one another. It's once been said, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Who is it today in church that you surround yourself with in small groups, maybe it's in team or it's in friendship? Who are those people that you're doing family and relationships with? Because breakthrough comes when you're in a community with family who see you, who know you and who love you. Lastly, the third ingredient is responsibility. Responsibility. James, tell us, how have you taken ownership in the house, in team? It's quite easy. You just start by saying yes. Yeah, literally. So I started on the youth team. I was only planning on doing the all-in night, but Josh was like, fans are coming down every week. At first I was like, nah, wait, it's my favorite gym night. Are you joking? Then I was like, yeah, let's do it. Listen to what God's saying to you. If you feel something is right, do it. So yes. I started on Alpha Course as well, which we're more than halfway through. It's fantastic. Say yes to learning, learn. You know, I didn't just rock up, put my hand up, and that was it. Like, I'm being challenged in my faith every day. Just lean into it. I'm doing audacious college on Monday nights. Yeah. Again, this is it's just ways you can challenge yourself and learn about God and about yourselves and what your mission is here to do. And I've been drafted by Julie next week. I'm going to start on the welcoming team. So just say yes. Just get involved. Take responsibility. We're all here for a reason. Just say yes, do it. Love that, mate, love that. Bible says in Mark 10, 45, Jesus speaking, saying, for even the Son of Man, Jesus himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word Jesus uses here for serve in Mark 10 is a word called diakonos, diakonos, which means to serve as a waiter, to make oneself a literal servant to another person. If Lysandra and I invited you over for dinner at our house and we expected you to bring the food, cook the dinner and do the washing up, you would think we were weird, wouldn't you? Because everybody knows 
that the home equals responsibility. So in this home, if this is your home, there comes a moment where the home has to equal responsibility. Because this isn't just for the few, this is for the many, because it's our church, it's our problem, it's our solution, it's our family, it's our city and our region. And when you start to own the house in relationships, in revelation, in responsibility, you suddenly change your language. It's not them, it's not audacious church, it's our church, it's our family. Let's believe that when we build together, one by one, brick by brick, we'll build something, like I said last week, a monument for the generations to look back on. Doesn't matter what you do, but that you do. Could be kids team, youth, young adults, production, band, hosts, car park, connections. Doesn't matter what you do, but that you do. Today, church, how can you own home. You can do it by responsibility, by relationships, and by revelation. Why don't we thank James for what he shared just now. Thank you, man. Thank you, everyone. If you're standing, stay standing. If you're not and you're able, then please jump to your feet. Church, I want to challenge you today. How can you grow in revelation? How can you grow in relationships? How can you grow in responsibility. I think James touched on it. It's saying yes. It's posturing your heart, willing to receive from God. Too much revelation and not enough responsibility means you're happy for God to speak to you, but you're not letting Him work through you. Too much responsibility with no revelation means you only come to church when you're on team because you're happy for God to work through you, but you're not ready to let God work in you and do some heart surgery in your life. Too much relationships with no responsibility or revelation means you're a social Christian who comes along for the social aspect, but misses out that this is a house of miracles, a house of breakthrough, and this is the advancement of the kingdom of God. Where is it today, church, that you can take a new level of ownership in owning home? Is it in revelation, growing closer to God in a community of faith? Is it in relationships? Maybe you've guarded your heart, you've closed people off, you've kept them at a distance. Or is it in responsibility? And now it's time to join a team to play a part in advancing God's kingdom in this church. I think some of you today have guarded yourselves off from relationships because of past hurt, because you've once let someone in, but they've let you down, they've disappointed you, they've maybe hurt you, and now your perspective is warped through that past experience. I wanna create a moment just now for God to come in, come and touch your heart, for God to come and reassure you and remind you and cut off that wall that you've built in relationships, because no man was designed to be an island but together we are the sons, the daughters of the King, the church together in community with one another. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.